Yeah, yeah, yeah. Welcome to another episode of Better Black Than Never. I am your host, Tavarnis King. And as always, I am thrilled and appreciative that you've decided to spend some time with me today. I am super excited to get back to talking about black issues and black concerns. I mean, the last show was really black. Like We didn't talk about anything political. We didn't talk about anything, anything concerning Biden, COVID, or any of that stuff. And to be clear, that stuff is still important. That stuff is still important to the community. But it was so it felt so good i was kind of proud of myself at how black that show was and so i'm looking forward to having more shows like that today however isn't necessarily that kind of a show but still going to talk about black issues and you know we're going to keep on making sure that we keep a focus on you know whatever it may be that's holding on in the world and then keeping a focus on how it affects us and our community so thank you for spending some time with me today and helping me you know just get these things off my chest and then also having you know this conversation with you guys on these topics which are really important to the community moving forward we will be posting more stuff on instagram so i definitely encourage you to follow us over at instagram um, the handle is bbtn meaning better black than never so bbtn podcast one word bbtn podcast over at instagram we're going to start posting more videos over there more you know commentary over there so that you guys can you know have another place where you can talk to us and communicate your ideas and give us, you know, also your ideas and your suggestions on what it is you want us to talk about. Uh, I'm definitely looking forward to the show today. We got some really important stuff, some, you know, things happened this week that Joe Biden did that I think definitely needs to be discussed. And there are some other things that happened this, or rather, was it this week? That happened over the weekend. There are certain things that happened over the weekend that I, I want to get into uh, just to talk about, you know, their impact and where I think those things are going to end up going. So let's buckle up and let's get into it. Thanks again for joining us and joining me. And, you know, let's get into the first topic. So the first topic I want to talk about today, and it's actually going to be the first two topics I talk about today, you know, is the executive orders that Biden signed concerning, well, it was concerning a bunch of us, but a bunch of stuff, but I'm going to specifically focus on the executive action against private prisons and then the executive action about, you know, discrimination in housing. Uh, yo, so clearly this is, in my opinion, just a down payment. And I believe, you know, that the Biden administration understands this as well that this is just the beginning of what needs to happen in order to start making life more equitable for black and brown people in this country uh actually going in there and signing an executive order saying that's it with federal use of private prisons it's actually a huge deal it's actually a huge motherfucking deal and we really need to discuss this and then the next part we'll discuss but for those of you who do not know uh biden did put an end to the department of justice's use of private prisons prisons. Uh, and th that is a important step. Uh, that's not everything. And we're going to go into how, you know, this is just a step, but other things need to happen. But this is, a, is an important step. What's also important to understand is that this is actually a reasserting of something that Obama put in place. Uh, as you guys know, a big part of Trump's whole shit, his whole, his whole thing for the most part during his presidency was to undo everything Obama did. Okay. Um, there was a, there was, 
was a, a tweet uh, after, again, this was after Biden had won. You know, it would have been sense to tweet this out if Biden had lost. But there was a tweet from some guy, uh, definitely a black dude, uh, who said that, you know, we could have avoided this whole four years if Obama just didn't make fun of Trump during that dinner. And again, I don't know that's necessarily true, but I do know that Trump was fucking furious, you know, when Obama did that. And I think from what I remember, that was actually where he just when he decided he was going to run. Clearly, no one thought he was going to win. And then, of course, the last four years happened. Right. But a big part of, you know, Trump's whole mode of operation, you know, thinking during that time was to undo everything that Obama had done. You know, when a president, you know, is in office, even if it's in office for eight years, whatever changes he makes can be easily undone by a incoming president of the opposite party, right? And therefore, even though Obama's signature win and signature, you know, legislation for his president was the Obamacare, the Affordable Care Act. We all saw that Trump basically made it his goal from day one since he started running to dismantle it. And he did a pretty damn good job. Of, OK, now we can definitely have a conversation about, you know, how to bring it back. I mean, especially now during a pandemic. My hope is that all the people who were against it have had their fucking bell rung by this pandemic to see now motherfucker we actually need that shit and we need more reality is we actually need medicare for all we need to stop letting healthcare be tied to employment given what we just saw all the millions of people who lost their job through no fault or through no fault of their own suddenly struggling to just stay healthy because they don't have they don't have health insurance on top of not having a job because their job held the reins controlled whether or not they had health insurance so one would hope that you come out of that smarter and wiser and realize yo that's not something we can continue and that affordable care at obamacare was nice but we need to do even more but i'm not banking on the democrats being that smart nevertheless the idea the point is that Trump made it his goal to undo everything Obama did. And one of the things that Obama did do while he was in office was put, in a, put a plan in place to phase out the federal use of private prisons. Of course, Trump came in and stopped that because he's a stupid ass racist motherfucker. But to be clear, what Biden is doing is in essence continuing what Obama put in place, which goes to show how secession plans and secessions in the presidency is so important because had Obama's plan been allowed to continue its its role, we would not have needed this Biden executive order to put into place and to continue the dismantling of the private prison industry. Now, if you don't know what the private industry, excuse me, the private prison industry is, it is a, a result of mass incarceration. And trust me, it is it's not lost on me or on many other people that Biden, who is basically the godfather of mass incarceration, which is why I said when I voted for him, I did so holding my nose because that motherfucker was the author of the crime bill, which started started us on this path of mass incarceration. It's not lost on me that he's the one signing this to effectively start putting an end to the problem, even though it's just chopping at just one end of the problem, right? There's much more to do, much, much further to go to really address mass incarceration that I'm not really sure that he's going to do, but we can discuss that another time. So it's not lost on me that Biden is the one who signed this and is putting this in place. Um, but if you don't know what private prisons are, they are a result of mass incarcerations. And the idea behind private prisons is that private prison companies get paid by 
governments to build and maintain prisons. Now, once they build and maintain the prisons, they actually get paid a certain monthly amount per prisoners in the prison, all right? And so what you have now is a situation where imprisoning people become profitable. Now, I don't have to go into chapter verse what this problem, because clearly, if you make imprisoning people a profitable in endeavor, well, those CEOs of these private prisons are going to try and figure out a way to get more people in said prisons. And so, of course, what you can imagine would happen actually did happen. These really rich millionaire CEOs lobbied, aka bribed government officials all over the place, mostly Republican, but also some Democrats. I mean, one of my big problems with Hillary Clinton, another person, I mean, I can't remember the last time I voted for someone and I didn't have to hold my fucking note. But one of my big problems with, with Hillary Clinton as a candidate was that until she was called on the carpet about it, she was taking money from private prisons. Like, that was something that she did. That was something that she was guilty of, taking money from private prisons. And look, the reality is, we're not going to play games and pretend like this shit ain't bribed. And big corporations, CEOs of millions of, millions of dollars, do not give money to politicians just to feel good that's not a thing that happens i don't care how good of a person you guys convince yourself these people are and all that shit no they give money with the expectation that you're going to do something for them and so when a private prison is giving a politician money they're expecting that politician to rule somehow some way in their fucking favor okay that's the expectation and so when i saw that shit happen with hillary clinton i was like fucking hell man i can't i can't I can't with this woman, yo. I cannot with this fucking woman, right? I just it just continued to piss me off all the people who talk about her like she's some fucking saint, right? And she did not return that money until people started calling her out on it. Now, clearly, it would seem Biden learned that lesson because he didn't take that money from Jump Street and also he made it a part of his campaign. Granted, the first person who I believe I saw have ended private prisons as an official part of their campaign, of their agenda while they were running for president i believe was bernie sanders but don't you know but don't quote me on that right it's possible that other people had it before him and i just didn't see it all i know is when i was looking at all of these platforms and seeing which part of it actually addressed racial inequality bernie sanders was the first one where i saw that in their private prisons was actually a part of his campaign and that was great to see nevertheless you know it's not lost on anyone that you know biden is the one who is doing this and you know one of the reasons why this needs to be done is that once you attach a private excuse me a profit motive to putting people in prison well now these fucking ceos and these companies are now gonna go out here and they're gonna bribe these motherfuckers they're gonna bribe equipment officials to imprison more people i mean that's exactly what we saw happen and we've had actual scandals around this shit happen right because we've had scandals where judges were caught sending kids to prisons for no for no fucking reason until you dig a little bit deeper and oh guess what those private prisons were actually giving those judges you know some kickbacks some money under the table to send them more kids to put into their prisons because it makes money for the private prisons but even if you don't get into that level of scandal you still have situations 
situations where you have lawmakers trying to figure out more things to make illegal so that they can actually imprison more people. And then you have these, you know, private prison industries who give a ton of money to police unions to help bolster the police departments around these countries, knowing full well that if you give them more money, you give them more power, they're going to go out and try and arrest more people and shit like that. And at the end of the day, all of that fuckery lands squarely on the heads of black and brown people overwhelmingly compared to white. I mean, this I'm not even going to insult you by getting into the numbers. You're smart enough if you're listening to this podcast to already know that mass incarcerations overwhelmingly feeds on black and brown bodies. Okay. And so a part of this mass mass incarceration problem is private prisons. Now, it is important to keep this all within perspective. What Biden introduced was a executive order saying that the federal, the federal government cannot and should not any longer use private prisons in its system. The reason why this is important is it be, is because of all the many millions of people we have locked up in prison, overwhelmingly black, but the most in the entire fucking world, land of the fucking free my ass. A small percentage of them are actually in federal prison, okay? The vast majority are in state and local prisons. And state and local prisons can still use private prison industries and companies to handle their business, all right? And so it's important to understand that what he signed simply affects federal prisons and federal prisoners. It does not really affect directly anyway what's going to happen on a state and local level it's really important to understand that because it's important to understand the impact and really the limited impact in reality of executive orders executive orders overwhelmingly has an impact on just what happens on a federal level federal property federal employees federal system they don't necessarily dictate what's going to happen on a state and on a state and local level right that becomes it becomes more of a guidance for state and local but not a rule for state and local and so it's really important to keep that in mind. Uh, and so when we're talking about the impact of this, the impact of this is really to just set a standard. And now you know that this standard is not going to be followed by red states. That goes without saying. Like we don't even have to go into you know what this is going to mean in, in red states. Red states are going to continue to lock up black people. Now understand, blue states aren't that much better. But I'm just making clear that I have no expectation that fucking Alabama is going to become like a bastion of civil rights and going to just ban, you know, private prisons on a state level so that they can maintain or reach, you know, equity for, you know, black and brown people. I have no expectation that's to happen. But what I will say is that, like I said, it actually sets a standard for local, for local governors to actually do the right thing. And then we have seen certain areas in the country that actually have taken the steps locally to do the right thing to, in essence, try and starve or at the very least kick out private prisons out of their state. Now, as you guys know, I am from New York City, specifically Brooklyn, New York City, where they pay mirrors of Biggie, you know? And so while my city and my state, we don't get a lot right. We, we do have it right when it comes to this. New York State is one of... At, this particular recording, if I'm correct, is one of only three states that's actually banned private prisons in the state. Okay? Only one of three. Okay? Out of all 50 of all the United States of America, only three have banned 
private prisons, okay? And New York State does New York State just happens to be one of them. And again, that kind of speaks to how, you know, this is something that really needs to happen on a local level. We need local governors and local governments really leading this charge. This you know, this, you know, executive order, it has its limitations. You know, there's a reason why there's a, you know, there's a separation and the reason why, you know, this country was kind of built on the, on the city, state and federal model, right? So that there wouldn't be quote unquote tyranny from the federal government, just basically telling states what to do. And overall, that's a good thing, but unfortunately it does lead to problems like this, where it would be great if Biden could just sign something and just wipe federal prisons off of the entire map, the entire, you know, existence of, of the you know, U.S. you know culture and a U.S. lifestyle, but that's not how it's going to be. But we can look at how New York State did it to give us an idea of how other states can. I mean, first and f- first and foremost, like I said, they straight up banned like 100% private prisons are not to be built in New York State. Now that goes back to a bill uh, introduced in 2007. All right, uh, and so that is something that you know clearly predates you know Biden and Trump, uh, and I believe that's the Obama era. I'm, you know, right now, quarantine is causing me to lose track of time, but I believe that's the Obama era. Uh, but again, it was something that was introduced way back when, and the state made it a policy that, hey, there will be no private prisons built in the state. The other thing that they did, which was really interesting, and I think is actually even more important, is that they decided that, and I believe this was a decision made in 2019, because, you know, I filed the whole, you know, prison, private prison thing as a part of just me keeping an eye on how we can attack mass incarceration. That's how I kind of know these things are happening. Uh, and there's actually a great follow on Twitter for this. I believe her handle is Prison Culture, if I recall her handle correctly. She's she's great. She's a you know anti-prison you know um, advocate, and so I definitely recommend her as a follow. But in 2019, what New York did was say, look, if you're a bank with a charter in New York State. You're not allowed. That specific bank is not allowed to invest in private prison. Now that's fucking big. Look, anything you can, if you want to bring out, bring down mostly any structure anywhere in the world, attack its money. Once you start attacking its money, shit fucking changes. Okay, and they usually change quick, fast, and in a fucking hurry. Once you attack the money, I remember reading somewhere years ago that stated that white supremacy only respects three things the loss of money the loss of power and the loss of white life okay uh and so i've and i've believed that since the moment i read it because nothing i've seen in history nothing i've seen in our culture has proven that thing to be wrong so in new york state one of the things that they did was that banks these local banks here in new york state are not allowed to invest in private prisons as a corporation through the stock market or anything like so right there you're 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 kicking you're kicking them at the knees they're hitting private prison right in the kneecaps by starting to take away their money and then on a larger level what and not a large level but another level in terms of actually hitting them you know in the pocket was that the pension the pension fund in new york state divest meaning they're not allowed to invest in private prison stocks generally speaking it wasn't a huge you know you know, it wasn't a huge load of money to begin with, but still, it was millions of dollars at the end. All right, not by you, but millions of dollars is still a lot of money to me. Maybe you're in a different place than I, right? Uh, and so, 
kicking them where it hurts in the pocket, in the funding is a really big way and probably the way that state governors and state governments, I don't know why I keep on saying governors, but it really is a big way or probably the way to end private prisons in this country if state and local governors, and I did it again, state and local governments actually start you know, taking away money. We saw last year, in fact, that this happened in a big way because through activism and through a lot of pressure, we saw banks like Wells Fargo and Chase Bank make the final decision that they weren't going to invest in private prisons anymore. Um, the one, two of the biggest private prison corporations in United States, anyway, is a company called GEO Group and another one called Core Civic, uh, and so. Those companies were investment partners with Wells Fargo and Chase. And Chase said, nope, we're out. We're not doing this anymore. And again, that was not them just waking up one morning with this, you know, with this realization and epiphany that, hey, maybe we shouldn't do this anymore. No, this was pressure brought on by activists constantly, constantly hounding them and making it clear that, look, especially for, you know, especially for anyone listening to this, you know, podcast, as well as myself, I don't fucking go to work and, you know, work hard to make this money to put it in a bank only for the bank to be an actual person helping maintain mass incarcerations through investment in private prisons that's not a shit that i signed up for this is why I totally so completely agree with killer mike where he says that we need to be banking at black banks Okay, because so oftentimes you're putting your money and you're investing your money with corporations and with organizations that are actually harming us, that are actively harming us. Okay, Uh, and so to see, you know, JP Morgan Chase and Wells Fargo just bail out on private prisons, that was an important step because, again, if we can actually starve them of finances, starve them of money, they'll go away. Now, of course, like I said before, they'll find money some kind of way because they've bribed enough, they've bribed enough of you know these politicians in the in the capital as well as around the world that they'll they'll sneak in those those politicians is those law lawmakers will sneak in something here and there in a, in a law in a policy in one of these big bills that'll you know siphon some money over off to them because that's what lobbies do like look they'll pay you some money for you to figure out in the next covid package can you slip us you know 20 million dollars you know that's why when these pack when these bills come up especially when they're led by the gop they they give people a literal short window to actually read it because they don't want you to see all the fuckery they got going on in there right and so in that one or two hours that you get to read it you're probably gonna miss that somewhere in the in that small print you know the gop is sneaking in a hundred million dollars to a private prison why they're do why are they doing that because that private prison that ceo that lobby paid those politicians to hell help us survive man give us some money so all that is to say that the executive order has its limits but what we need in order to actually see private prison come to an end is for local governments to actually take lead and we already see examples of that throughout the country unfortunately is only in three states but still it's still a model to be followed and executive orders like i said they only affect the federal level of government and the federal level of employment but they do provide a standard that the federal government hopes local governments will actually follow. And so, you know, when you talk about all of these things together, clearly this is not going to make the CEOs 
of private prisons and people of that nature happy and to them i say fuck you shut the fuck up we don't care what you think okay you guys been feeding black bodies since your exception i could give two shits of what you're talking about because already since the executive order was signed you got private prison ceos coming out saying oh you know this is a problem it's gonna cost taxpayers money and you're gonna cost hundreds of jobs blah 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 blah. first of all we have study after study after study that shows that private prisons don't actually result in the cost savings that they promise because that's a big part of their shtick right the big part of their shtick is for them to go to local governments as well as the federal government and tell them look it costs you guys a hundred million dollars to build and maintain a bank excuse me to build and maintain a build and maintain a bank that's that uh, that's a 40 slip if, if, if it was one but they go in there and say hey it costs you guys hundreds of millions of dollars to build and maintain a prison give it to us and it only costs you 70 and so you'll save 30 million what in reality study after study after study shows that is not true the savings is actually minimal in other words if you know it costs the state you know a hundred million dollars to build and maintain a bank a private prison will do it for like 98 like it's minimal savings right at the end of the day that's why study after study shows and also another part of their shtick is that hey private prisons the prisons will be you know treated more humanely they'll be safer when in reality study after study shows that it's the actually it's the actual opposite which is kind of crazy which is kind of crazy when you think about it that fucking prisoner a prisoner would be safer on rikers island than in a private prison which is fucking insane when you hear shit like that, right? And so there's really no reason for this shit to exist except for the profit motive, which again results in just over-policing, aggressive policing, and laws made just to figure out fucking ways to imprison more black and brown people. If you have not watched it, I do recommend that you watch the documentary called The 13th. It's on Netflix still, I believe, but I'm pretty sure you can find it elsewhere on the internet. I'm pretty sure you could get it on Amazon or hulu or youtube it's pretty much everywhere i would warn you is if you are going to watch that uh you know make sure you watch it on like a friday i mean clearly i'm not suggesting that you ruin your weekend but come on man you're in quarantine how much are you fucking really doing in in, on a weekend anyway i'm only suggesting it because or rather i'm only making the suggestion because it is upsetting and if you're like me you're probably gonna need a couple of days to fucking calm down and especially if you work around white people you're probably gonna need a couple couple of days to calm down and then go back to the office or whatever it is you work at. My hope is that you actually work a job that allows you to work from home, but that's a whole nother conversation, right? And so that, you know, is my thoughts on the whole executive orders against executive order against the private prison industry. Again, is not the is not the you know solution to all to the entire problem however it is a good start however it is a start that you know we can lay down as a foundation and continue to build i think most of this building if not all of it is going to happen in blue states but that's a whole nother conversation right there because how much can you really depend on blue states given what we saw during the uprising in some of these blue states that actually treated protesters you know, for black lives fucking evil and horrible. I mean, there was a lot of that shit happening in blue states. We can definitely have a conversation about that, you know, down the line. That's definitely that, that wasn't talked about nearly enough, in my opinion. We need to definitely talk about that. But nevertheless, while there are limits to that executive order, it's still a great first step. And I look forward to seeing Biden do more in this regard as well as local governments not governors alone but local governments all right on to on to the next topic
yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's get into the second topic. Uh, so the second topic is really a continuation of the first topic, really, is that Biden also signed executive orders concerning housing. Now, the fuckery around housing goes back so fucking long, man. And it is so important that we keep an eye on what you know is being done to make sure that housing is fair and equitable because the number one factor for the reason, for the reality that the wealth gap between black and white people is so huge goes back to just real estate discrimination because most white people were allowed to build their wealth, to build their generational wealth through real estate, through the ability to buy homes and then either maintain the home and just see the equity rise to ridiculous levels. Of course, that took a hit to the housing crisis, you know, many, many years ago. Um, but still, that still puts them in a better place than black people who were kept from being able to buy homes at the same clip, at the same rate, and thus allow for there to be such a huge wealth gap between black and white people. And this is something that the government specifically engaged in. And so when we talk about reparations, we're not just talking out of, out of our necks. There are a lot of of, you know, historical points and historical moments that you can point to where the government actively engaged in discrimination against black people, which led to huge disparities, in either wealth, health, education, and otherwise that actively played a role, actively championed it. And so when we look at, you know, things like the GI Bill and the racist ways in which the GI Bill was implemented, we can clearly, clearly see how active a role the government played in discriminating against black folks and with real estate being such a pivotal thing, such an important factor in developing and building wealth as an American, regardless of your regardless of your your race and your gender, we can see that housing and maintaining fair housing is actually important to the black community. Now granted, getting housing to a fairer place isn't going to soundly, you know, eliminate the wealth gap. But again, these are about steps in the right direction, right? Because executive orders are only, you know, you know, things that apply to federal stuff. Um, but nevertheless, they set the standards, they set the standard and it does allow for a blueprint to be created the local governments can actually follow. And so one of the things that, you know, Biden signed in executive order was basically to reinstate because again like i said before trump's whole shit was to undo a bunch of shit that obama put in place to the benefit of black folks to be clear i think obama should have gone even further. i think he was way too concerned about not being perceived as the, you know the black people's president and again who was going to criticize him on that fucking republicans at the end of the day one of the things that obama never learned was that these motherfuckers don't like you so stop trying to appease them. Stop worrying about what they think of you. These motherfuckers don't like you. So just go in there and do the fuck you need to do for all people, but specifically and especially black people who, let's be straight, let's be real, were the reason both times your ass was in the White House, right? But again, these are topics that we could get into another time because those are whole has a whole another set of conversational topics right there. Uh, and so by signing the executive order, to reinstate the full powers of the federal government to fight discrimination. What he was doing was continuing policies from Obama, which were, like I said before, cut and undermined by Trump. Now, 
I have said this before, and it's so really important. We've got to stop celebrating when black people find themselves in position in positions of power in the government, because too often we're celebrating motherfuckers who are just going in there to put a black face on a white power. And I cannot right now. I have a hard time thinking of a better example than Ben motherfucking Carson being put in charge of HUD, and all he did was work to fucking destroy. He undermined HUD for black people from the moment he stepped through the door all right and the thing is and the thing was democrats were powerless to stop them because they didn't have control of either they didn't have control of enough parts of the government to actually stop this motherfucker from being able to do hey he didn't even have control to stop him from getting the job let know enough control to actually stop him from doing the evil work that he was put in place to do so one of the things that you know happened under trump is that they undid a rule um that obama put in place i believe in two 2015 that actually required local governments uh, to actually prove how they were enforcing fair housing policies all right uh, and so this is so important because if you let these motherfuckers slide of course they're going to continue to discriminate against black people if you're not holding their feet to the fire why the fuck why the fuck wouldn't they it's it's profitable like we talked about the whole private prison situation it's fucking profitable for them it's profitable for them as a bank to charge black people who present lower credit risk and have a high credit worthiness worthiness a high interest rate on home loans than white folks who present a higher credit risk and lower credit worthiness because it, it just helps them make money you know what i'm saying and so what obama put in place with policies that require states and local housing agencies prove like provide detailed account about how they were maintaining fair housing policies specifically in development and rent policy and rental areas of the whole housing market right and so of course what trump did was come and say now nah, you guys don't have to prove anything just do whatever the fuck you want okay and of course what they fucking did was go right back to discriminating against blacks right uh and there are so many sophisticated ways that you know it, it's like it's like malcolm x said right and i shared that graph you know that racism is like a catalog they come out with a new version every year you know what I'm saying just because they're not actually putting signs in windows anymore that says niggers can't rent here doesn't mean that in spirit they aren't doing that right and so that's why obama put in a policy and a, a law for lack of a word put a policy in place to say you guys don't have to prove to us you're actually following this and how you actually making shit happen and so trump comes along and undoes that shit fucking immediately like uh, i believe i mean it was fucking fast a moment you know ben carson and gone you fucking you know rid of that shit quick fast in a hurry and so therefore housing discrimination was allowed to flourish again and so with biden coming and pulling this back in place it's, a, it's an important first step especially when you talk about you know policies and ideas like desperate impact so those are who do not know so desperate impact and a few years ago under obama actually the supreme court upheld desperate impact and i thought that was uh, it was the same it was the same day when the Supreme Court upheld uh, the legalization of gay marriage. And so that got all the news. If I recall correctly, I don't have everything for now, but if I recall correctly, that came out in the same, in the same ruling day. Uh, and so gay, the gay marriage got all the news, 
But I felt like desperate impact was like probably the most important thing for black folks because of how important housing is for black America and how big of a role housing plays in our ability to create wealth. And so what desperate impact means is it is often possible for a bank or a real estate company to put policy in place that they know specifically targets people. But like I said, it didn't explicitly say we're targeting black and brown people. Uh, one example, and I wish I had all the details of this example right now, but there was one example uh, of desperate impact where in some in some county, banks decided that they were going to charge a higher interest rate for people who want to buy a specific home in a specific area. It just happened, quote unquote, it just happened, oopsie daisy, it just happened that that area was overwhelmingly a black area where black people were buying homes, right? And so in rulings like that, or rather in banking policies like that, they don't have to explicitly say, hey, we're specifically targeting black people in a discriminatory way. They can just say, they can just make up a rule that they know will affect overwhelmingly black and brown people negatively. And then when you got when you guys call them on it, they can say, hey, look, this 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 this, this rule, it doesn't say black people. It doesn't say it doesn't say Hispanics, you know? So I don't know what you're talking about. And so it takes a little deeper insight. Oftentimes it takes actually going in there and grabbing documents, grabbing emails, looking at data to show that A, this rule does overwhelmingly negatively impacts black and brown people. And oftentimes what it also proves that these motherfuckers knew that going in. And so they're lying their asses off and say, oops, we, we just didn't know. Oh my God. Fuck out of here. Right. Uh, and so when we have Biden now, you know, sign executive orders to put these policies back into place to make sure fair housing is something that we do in this country, it is hugely important, right? It is hugely important to the black community. It is hugely important to the black community in our ability to just stay, to just stay housed, man. You know, black people is, you know, we're overrepresented in the homeless population, right? They're just way more black people as a part of the homeless population then they should be given our percentage of the population. And that's because oftentimes you have, especially poor black people who can't find a place to live through all manner and all layers and all variations of this of, of housing discrimination. And so, you know, this is one of those things where, you know, we have a president now, not perfect by any means. Please don't, you know, please don't get it twisted. But these are the steps that he is doing that are absolutely correct to start addressing these problems, right? Uh, and so when he starts putting these things in place, like I said before, He's often just continuing shit that Obama put in place and that Trump undermined as much as as much as he fucking possibly could, right? Another thing that the executive order does is that it makes it easier. At the very least, it's going to make it easier for people who sue real estate developers, you know, real estate agents, you know, housing, you know, agencies who want to sue them for breaking the desperate impact rule. It makes it much easier for them to prove it, right? Because what happened under the Trump administration, they put in a rule that actually made proving that shit even harder right and so when you make when you when you have to prove something that is wrong that's already super well hidden in its wrongness still wrong but it's really well hidden really well crafted in the way that it's put together and then you make the plaintiffs the people doing you know the accusing usually rightfully so have to just you know you know come across and you know pass this 
super high bar for proving, you know, that this thing is a evil rule put in place to affect and negatively affect black people. You, in effect, are basically making it so that these companies never have to be held accountable, right? Because you it's, it's like a cop shooting a black person in the back, which we all know happens way, way too often. Uh, it's like saying that not only do you need video, but you need sound, you need five witnesses, and you need a written testimony from the person who was shot back. That's basically what, you know, they basically did. That's how hard they, in essence, made it. And so what Obama, excuse me, what Biden executive order did was address that and bring that, you know, burden of proof down back to what it was before. Because again, so many of these housing discrimination policies are really well crafted. It's one of the reasons why I felt like, you know, for many, not all, but for many who took to the street and, you know, protesting racial injustice, I kind of felt sometimes that, you know, our ideas or rather their ideas about just how much could be undone through those protests were really out of sync with the realities of fighting evil structures that have been in place and have been developed over centuries like you're not bringing down a white supremacist society and all this in all its structures in one year it, it, this is something that's gained momentum and strength through the course of hundreds of years one year of protest or a couple of months of protest isn't going to bring it down. And so when I look at this, you know, new executive order from Biden, super important, but it's only, it's only the tip of the iceberg because the discrimination and the sophistication behind the discrimination that black people and brown people face housing is that it is really sophisticated and it's been around for such a long time that, long time that it's gained a lot of momentum, it's gained a lot of support, monetary, I mean, there are a lot of people in place who make bank off of the system, they're not going to just let it go away, you know, quietly into the night, right? And so the question becomes, well, what else do we need? Well, we need for Biden to put a committee together to to really figure out how we're going to attack red line, okay? Because that shit still happens, all right? Banks, you know, making it a point to not invest in black and brown, you know, areas, but putting all their fucking dollars and all their monies and all their investments into white areas is still a shit that happens to this fucking day, okay? We need him to also address steering. We need him to to also and i've said this before there needs to be a severe a substantial increase in the penalties for banks for real estate companies for development companies that are caught discriminating against blacks okay like it can't just be a fine anymore because these motherfuckers make so much money if a billion dollar company being charged a 25 million dollar fine because they were caught discriminating against black people in the housing development or in their you know home loan situation that's nothing to them they've made far more money than they're actually being forced to pay and i've said and i've said it before and it was one of the reasons why i wanted elizabeth warren to be president at least in the beginning and of course we all know how that all went but motherfuckers need to spend time time in jail man motherfuckers at these companies that allow this shit to go down they need to fucking know that if we catch you and we're looking to catch you if you do this shit your ass is going to jail no more you know slap on the wrist fines your ass is gonna be spending some time in fucking rikers do i expect that kind of depth and that kind of action from the biden administration no I'm just telling you what needs to happen. I do not have faith that I absolutely forget faith. I absolutely know that they're not going to go that hard because of donors. You know what I'm saying? The only person, let me, let me not say that. There are only two people who could have become president who would have gone that hard in my opinion. And that's Warren and that's 
Bernie Sanders. Maybe Castro, maybe, but definitely not Biden. Biden is not going that hard. But we actually need a president who will go in on these subjects, who will go in on these things and actually start fucking making inroads because we black people already face massive discrimination in housing, in the real estate, you know, market. And you know, I was just reading the other day and <laughs> the other day being relative because all the days kind of blend together in quarantine. But there was a story that came out uh, of an interracial couple, a white dude and his black wife were selling their home I believe and again I don't have the story in front of me so I'm just giving you the broad strokes but they were selling their homes and then they kind of ran an experiment they left everything as is in the home for appraisers that include photos and all that kind of stuff that clearly shows clearly show that a black woman lived in this place and then appraiser came and appraised it at one number and then they removed all signs all you know everything that would hint that a black woman lived in the place they, they removed all the pictures, all that kind of stuff, and invited appraisers in again. And guess what? They got appraised higher when motherfuckers didn't believe that there was a black person, that there was that there was a, that there was any black remnant in the walls. I don't know what the fuck they were thinking, but as you guys clearly realize and could predict that when you know these appraisers came through and thought that it was only white people living in this place, they appraised the place higher compared to when they realized a black person, specifically a black woman, also occupied that space they appraise the the home at a lower rate motherfuckers like that need to fucking know that they can go to jail for that shit okay because they do it because even if they're caught what's gonna happen to them what's what's gonna happen to them a slap on the wrist a warning a fine a summons nothing nothing nothing's gonna happen right and so that's why they keep on doing it but if you fucking make it scary then you can actually start having some success in paring this shit down. And I don't give two shits about white feelings this subject. Fuck them, okay? You, if we need to, if if we're going to really address real estate discrimination in this country, we need to go hard, and we need to go hard and tight, high. Fucking can swerve the plate, okay? But nevertheless, like I said before, all these things that are put into effect by you know these executive orders, these are just down payments, and we need for people in the cabinet, people in a circle, people in Congress, local governments to continue to put pressure on not only Biden but also local govern governments and local people in power to do more and to go further in addressing these issues. But nevertheless, good start. I definitely I definitely want to touch on that because I think you know addressing real estate discrimination goes a long way towards helping, you know, close the gap, the close the the wealth gap between black and brown people. I think more needs to be done. I think that you know if we're actually going to close the gap, we fundamentally need to think about how wealth is accumulated and represented in the society and start putting more value on the ways that black people are able to build wealth. I mean, the fact that we're in 2021 and real estate is still primarily the way to build to build wealth is kind of fucked up. I mean, uh, there's a reason why, you know, the younger generation is not buying homes, man. They can't afford it. And a lot of them are looking like, yo, why would I want to do that to myself? One of the pledges that I have about living in, a, in an apartment building or in a private house like I do is that I don't have the I don't have the fucking shovel snow ever. You know what I'm saying? And I'm sure there are a lot of millennials who feel the same way. But the point is, though, the fact that housing, especially, you know, real estate acquisition is still the primary way to build wealth in the country in 2021 is kind of fucked up, especially given 
been how locked out of that whole process black people have been historically right and so if we're really going to address this we need for the ways that black people are allowed and able to accumulate wealth to actually be valued at you know the same level that we did real estate back in which then will allow black folks to actually be able to really close the gap because as is we're kind of spinning our wheels a little bit here and you know at some point you know someone's got to just be bold enough to say this shit is not working here's what's going to but like i said a moment ago and i've said often throughout this podcast when it relates to these executive orders these are all steps in the right direction that you know there's all shit that absolutely need to happen and i am indeed happy that it's happening all right so time for the last topic let's get into it Okay, so last topic of the day is something that I touched on on Monday. This Trey Songs fuckery. Whew. This is this is a lot. This is a lot. There are people wrong on both sides. Okay, there are people wrong on both sides, and we gotta talk about. We gotta be honest with about this. So if you don't know, and I cannot imagine that you that you're someone listening to this podcast who do not know, but if you don't know, over the weekend um, during the AFC Championship game. And again, AFC is football, so this is a little bit sports related, but not a lot. But during the AFC championship game in a stadium where people were required to wear masks, and this is where I'm and so you know where I'm going. Trey Songs was in the stadium, in the stands, watching the game without a mask on. Now, this is the part where I say, What the fuck are you doing, Trey Song? Because, because, and it's really important, this motherfucker already caught COVID 19. So you would think if anybody in his crew would be all about wearing fucking masks it would be a motherfucker who already had COVID-19 right and even if you didn't already catch the shit aren't you friends with the dream the dream fucking caught COVID and had to learn how to walk again motherfucker had organ failure. he has memory loss aren't you fucking paying attention the fuck are you doing okay motherfuckers out here still pretending and still acting like we're not in a fucking pandemic it's getting on my fucking nerves every fucking day i see it okay stop with the bullshit so he's in the stadium i believe arrowhead watching the football game but he's not wearing a mask in an area and understand the entire stadium is the area (laughs) all right in an area where they clearly mandate that you have to wear a mask so in this regard trey songs is wrong okay he's in the wrong there's no if ands buts about it he's in the wrong should have been wearing a mask especially since this motherfucker already had covid all right he already caught the rona what you would think you of all people would be all about wearing masks but i'm gonna put that there for a second i'll put a pin in that for a second right so stadium police get called over because Trayson's not wearing a mask he refused to wear a mask well then stadium police decides okay we have to now call the cops the cops come over something happens right something happens the cop decides okay man you're, and you're not gonna wear a mask you refuse to wear a mask i have to arrest you and then that and then we don't see how it began but i feel as if we we the video that we saw kind of took place or started recording shortly after the decision to arrest trey song was made by the officer and that's where all the bullshit all the fuckery broke out now like i said in my last podcast about this when I was watching the video, I mainly focused on the fact that, yo, we almost lost Trey Songs, man. 
I do not, I cannot, how do I put this? I do not imagine a scenario where I would be alive if I put a cop in a headlock and the cop had easy access to his gun, okay? At any moment, that cop in that headlock could have taken out his gun and put three right right into the side, right to the stomach of Chase Songs, and not a jury in the world would have convicted this motherfucker because you had him in a fucking headlock, okay? You had him in a fucking headlock, okay? And so that was my first takeaway. Like every time I watch that video, that is like my main takeaway. That motherfucker, you almost died. You almost died over a fucking. And now, and now I know all that was over a fucking ass. It's so fucking upsetting, man. So fuck, right? But we don't know what happened before the video began. Okay. Uh, and so what's what's fucked up, and what continues to be fucked up, and will be fucked up for a long time. Is that the police put out their version of events that backs that is backed up by the video that hey okay, Trey Songs assaulted a police officer, put him in a headlock for and all because he didn't want to put a mask. Yep, that's backed up by the video. But I do wonder about the stuff that led up to that moment, right? In all likelihood, this police officer probably felt because he was dealing with black men that he get really aggressive and real pushy, like really in face and disrespect. Because one of the problems that I'm seeing already, and we will continue to see, I think, for as long as we all fucking live, is that we have police, excuse me, we have, you know, newspapers who are taking the police, the police's word on what went after all the lies and lies and lies and more lies that we've caught these motherfucking cops in, we still have fucking journalists, quote unquote, just taking cops at their word. And it's, it's sickening. It's just tiring and it's fucking sickening. Nevertheless, what is true, what is true can be seen on that video, which is that Trey Songs had homie in a, in a, in a headlock. That cannot be denied. But I do believe, given my personal experience with cops, and I think the experience of many black men, including black women, I don't want to leave no sisters out of this, as if, you know, cops somehow treat them with more respect, you know, it's a mackle, you know, vagina, you have a vagina way, um, that I'm pretty sure that the cop in parts that we did not see probably was super aggressive, probably super disrespectful with Trey Songs because he's black and white cops always feel as if, you know, they can fucking do whatever they want to do with black bodies. We know that as motherfucking fact, right? And so I feel as if we're missing that part of the story. But I got to admit, even though we're missing that part of the story, it still fucking upsets me that all this popped off because you refused us. Like, homie, what are you doing, man? What are you doing? Like, we're coming up on a year with the shit, okay? Over 400,000 dead. And you still out here playing stupidness, playing silly games about about not wearing a mask, refusing to wear a mask. The fuck are you doing, man? Like I can't let Trey Trey songs off the hook on this, right? Because this isn't like you know, you know, you know, our sisters just walking the fucking streets. This is Boyd, for example, walking down the street and the cop shoots in the back of the head from, from his fucking car. This isn't that kind of a situation. This is completely avoidable, right? Just put on a fucking mask, man. But that being said, I'm quite certain that there were white people around who weren't met wearing masks as well. And I guarantee you, I guarantee you that the cop would not have gone aggressive with them the way he got aggressive with Trey Song. I'm willing to bet dollars to dime on that shit, right? Because motherfuckers not wearing masks. It's like a fucking, you know, is the mod of white people out here, man. And so I'm quite certain that there are plenty of people, there were plenty of people in his, even in his area who weren't wearing masks, who just did not get it like that from a police officer, who just wouldn't get it like that from a police officer. And so there is that part, that part of it all that I keep in the back of my mind that as fucking upset as I am that this whole shit popped off because of masks, which you should be wearing, you 
you know, fucking pandemic, I absolutely do not believe that the account that the police are putting out there is just I know for a fact that these motherfuckers lie and I'm quite certain that they're they're asking leaving shit out here as well. And so people who are saying who were you know, at the at the stadium and saw this event who are saying, nah, it ain't that simple, there's cops targeting him. I am more likely and I'm more on their side because I know motherfucking cops lie their ass off all the time. And I'm sure that what we saw in the video, they're partially they're not seeing and we have not heard. So all that being said, my hope is that Trey Songs comes out of this none the worse aware, meaning I hope he doesn't get, you know, time in prison. But again, man, I don't I do not know what scenario. Again, though, Trey Songs is rich, you know, and so class might end up rearing his ugly head in all this, right? But I do not know a scenario where you could be a black man and punch and put a cop in a headlock and live. So already he he already scored that fucking point. And then I don't know a scenario where if you live that your house that your ass is not gonna be spending some time. I just don't see it. But I'm hoping that it that does happen, right? I'm hoping that it does happen. I hope he just, you know, hits get hit with a fine. We already know that charges have been filed against him. Actually, this morning I read that felony assault charges were levied against Trey Songs. My hope is that maybe those things get dropped, you know. But if more information comes out that doesn't make Trey Songs good, maybe there's another video out there that we're not seeing of the cop being super respectful. And it's Trey Songs who pop that shit off. That shit's not an end. And understand, I understand popping shit off the moment you see a cop. The way cops treat black people on the fucking regular, if I see a fucking, I, if I see a cop walking down the street that I'm walking on, I fucking cross the street, okay? Because I know those motherfuckers are always looking for fucking excuse, okay? Always looking for a fucking, a fucking excuse to, to, you know, shit on us as black people, but, you know, a lot of times specifically black men. Uh, and so I'm pretty sure that if we saw the entire video, that we would see this cop being disrespectful. But if more evidence comes out and there's a part of the video where the cop is like being super respectful, and Trey Jones pops off and just punches him in the face and put him in a headlock. Homie's gonna spend time, man. He's gonna he's gonna do some time. He's gonna do some time. So we're gonna be keeping an eye on this. Uh, you know, I got my alerts set up, my Google News alert set up, so I get emailed anytime shits you know pop off you know on this subject. Um, but you know, I hope you know. I kind of hope everyone comes out well at the end because again, I'm not one to big up cops. All I'm saying is. It's just, it's just a fucking miracle that cop didn't kill, you know, Trey Songz. Straight up and down. That's what I come, I still come back to the idea that fucking Trey Songz was almost a hashtag. It was almost a hashtag, okay? All right, that is the show for today. Thank you very much for joining me. I appreciate every last one of you guys. As always, rate, review, subscribe, give me five stars so we continue to build this community. You know, share this podcast with your friends, your family, your loved ones, you know, so that we can continue to build our audience base. We got some cool shit coming up in the in the next couple of months, or rather the next couple of weeks. That's gonna happen in a month. Hey, Black History Month is around the corner. Literally just a few days away, man. So we're going to be spending and highlighting a lot of our black heroes during Black History Month. And I'm definitely looking forward to that, doing that on the podcast. But, yo, continue to support us. And, you know, we'll continue to go out here and give you guys great content. All right. So, as always, rate, review, subscribe. Give me five stars if you're not a hater. If you don't, you know, give me that five stars. I'm going to assume you're a hater. And like I said at the top, make sure to follow us on Instagram. The Instagram is BBTN Podcast. BBTN Podcast. All one word. No dashes, no commas, no periods, nothing like that. Because we're going to be posting more shit on the Instagram, you know, moving forward. All right. Thanks, guys. I appreciate your time. And I'll talk to you guys later.